Have you seen this? The 1983 demo reel for Super Panavision. Welcome to Have You Seen This? The world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. You know, more like pain storm. More like <laughs> lame storm. Actually, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> um, Once again, Jen, Jen, you've tricked me into watching a movie based on the format it was shot on. Hey, I like, uh, I'm intrigued by the idea of show scan. What can I say? All right, fair enough. I mean, come on. You know how I feel about large format cinema? I do. So I was watching it, and I'm like, God damn it, Jen, you tricked me again. I trick you every time we record a show, Tim. I trick you into doing the show. Right, yeah. You're like, trust me, this one's from Criterion. This will be good. Yeah, I, this is from a uh, an Academy Award-winning director. I lure you like, with ah. a little trail of candy corn and Lego bricks. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Why do people not like candy corn? I, I don't know, but... What's the deal? <laughs> no, okay, no, you're so, supposed to do your walking impression. Right. <laughs> My Christopher Walken doing Jerry Seinfeld. What is the deal with candy corn? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wow, it's like he's right here. Yeah, yeah, it's like Jay Moore is right here, just phoning it in. <laughs> you ever watch that show, Action, with Jay Moore? No. That was a great show. Great. Yeah. Uh, was it shot on Super Panavision, though? No. Um, because I feel like they had the Super Panavision cameras and lenses and are like, we need to make a movie using this. What do you got? I'm like, uh, let me throw something together about brain scanning. <laughs> well, if you smarty pantses that listen to this show haven't guessed by now, we're talking about Brainstorm from 1983. Um, one of only a couple of feature efforts from uh, special effects master Douglas Trumbull and the final film of Natalie Wood. And this one has a little bit of a poor reputation. I don't know because of maybe the aura of death around it, <laughs> but uh, also because it's a cool premise that eventually peters out, but I don't know. I kind of like it. It really does. Yeah, it is a movie that does start with a strong premise and they're like oh, yeah. okay great where are you gonna take it like yes uh you know to its natural conclusion it's like well where is that mm -hmm. well you know brains and hey um the afterlife that's that's pretty wild right <laughs> um virtual reality and then like they just like dashed out of the meaning room yeah and this should have been fascinating because this was before virtual reality was even really a concept because this was the dawn of a of a digital age i suppose you could say um, yeah this has a lot of retro futurism and although at the time i guess it would have just been regular futurism right uh tron had come out the previous year uh that was mm -hmm. a big jump for computer graphics i feel like there are fleeting computer graphics in this, but I could be wrong. Um, I do recognize yeah. a lot of optical effects, but there, mm -hmm. um, the opening sequence especially, I'm like, is this... the? 
how did they do this? This is really cool. Yeah, well, the opening sequence is really arresting. I mean, as someone who's uh, already a big fan of Enter the Void, seeing Yes! (laughs) I wrote down Enter the Void because I was like, damn, like... (laughs) This is like we're going. And, you know, in Enter the Void, you go into someone's brain, sort of. Yeah. And seeing this done, you know, 30 years prior, you're like, okay, props to Brainstorm for doing this uh, this kind of head trip stuff in the early 80s. Yeah. And um, when I started this movie, I was like, because I had seen it before and sort of hated it. Did you see it in 70? I fucking wish, dude. If this, well, that's probably why you didn't, yeah, yeah. you weren't feeling it. Yeah, um, if this screens again in 70, like, I have to be there. Like, Yeah, you, you absolutely have to. Because the because watching it at home on a regular-ass screen, you're like, I'm not getting the full experience. Oh, yeah. You know? uh, yeah, David Lynch was right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so because, as I, as I because, squinted angrily at my video iPod. What the fuck is this? <laughs> what is this, this shit? Bullshit. Watching a postage stamp. I'm gonna watch yeah, because... Baraka on my iPod. <laughs> yes. Uh because the regular parts of the movie are shot in just regular thirty five. They're shot at a you know, normal like two thirty five, you know, mm-hmm. cinematic aspects ratio. No, um but... it's it's like one one to seven, I think. Oh, once oh, even oh, disgusting. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's shot like a normal movie. Yeah, and if you watch the, it on a computer screen, like the first mm-hmm. time I, I scrubbed through the scrubbed through the file, I was like, uh-huh. "What? What the fuck? Why is this like pillar box and letterbox? Letterbox pillar box? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, watch. It's like I'm watching the movie through someone else's window. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. And that now that's the that's the dull human drama. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the, confined to the the tiny square, but uh, yeah, the, when it the gets good, of other people's lives, yeah, <laughs> yes. when it gets good, because the the premise of the movie is they've been able to dial in using, uh, I want to say, nineteen eighties video recorder technology. Yes, they've been able to record people's thoughts and sensations and record them onto you know holographic tape, which is a nice little little bit of uh, a prop fantasy stuff it's so cool yeah and when you're experiencing those those things through through the mind's eye through this uh you know brainstorm machine you see it in this full you know 70 millimeter super panavision just filling the whole screen so you can so you can and you will have to imagine what it would have been like seeing this in the theater where you have yeah just the mundane everyday normal life experience the stuff you're used to and then getting blown out of your seat by you know being on a semi careening down the road and then flying off a cliff and then taking off into the sky you have never experienced riding with death like this right yeah it's it's wild shit but yeah otherwise like the earlier stuff is just being like hey i'm uh i'm recording people's thoughts and this is what you're seeing as you know this guy's eating a steak or you know or, or whatever or walking around the lab annoying people it's, it's all part of science it's all you know it's all aperture science mess black mesa kind of mad scientist stuff that they're doing there if you've ever wanted to leap into the brain of your worst coworker, the one who sexually harasses like all the women <laughs> under 45 then the one who who always quotes snl Ugh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Making coffees of the you, brain. You get, to, <laughs> you get to live as that guy. Yeah, cool. You get to see him have sex. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and they do. Uh, they they do uh, get into that because initially it seems like oh it's just uh, we're we're recording the movie of what this person sees, but no, it's it's full sense around where yeah. it's like oh I'm I'm tasting you know the the whipped cream with the cherry on top. I'm feeling this guy pork and his wife. I or... can feel my average dick going into this beautiful California blonde. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it isn't just, uh, it isn't just recording in the now, like what you're, what you're seeing and hearing. It's, it's much, it's much deeper than that, man. Um, and, (laughs) and as the story goes on, it's, it's, it isn't just things that you see and experience. It's also things that you think about and things you imagine and things that you kind of remember, but maybe don't. Which is a really cool idea that the movie just kind of lightly touches on. Have you before ever... Before turning into, like, a, an espionage movie. Have you ever wanted to commit your intrusive thoughts to some kind of recording <laughs> medium? Those, um, those thoughts that come up when you're like, oh, remember the most horrible, traumatic, embarrassing moment of your life? Right, Here yeah. it is, in 70. <laughs> Wow, I can't wait to experience, like, just full-body embarrassment, just dying of cringe. <laughs> yeah, like, can you imagine if they had someone read the comments on Dina Meyer's website while wearing the headset? <laughs> like, you're, like, you would just, like, fold up into yourself in pure cringe. Yeah, yeah, you just, you'd be like the guy who, you know, drank the wrong cup in Last Crusade. <laughs> <laughs> Your face would melt off from the cringe. Um, so, Brainstorm, 1983. The way that this came about was from a story by uh, Bruce Joel Rubin. He had a, a screenplay called the Someone or Other Tapes. It was essentially a sim- the same concept. Uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Joel Rubin, of course, brought us Ghost and a favorite of Tim's, Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, yeah. So there's... <laughs> I must have really been working through some stuff. Yeah, like, um, I mean, praise to him for wanting to go inward. And maybe that is also because of, um, you know, we had just come out... Uh, this was 1983, so we just come out of the 70s, which was the decade for navel-gazing, the me decade. Yeah. So much so that Douglas Trumbull got most of the cast and a bunch of the crew to go to the Esalen Institute before filming. Um, now, if- yeah, that's another gen um, topic. So I'll just, I'll just let you talk and I will leave the room. <laughs> Tim is always cutting out when we're recording. Um, now, some of you have heard me mention like the human potential movement on the podcast, which was the um, probably like the last gasp for optimism before the uh, the horrible 21st century, but it before was before the dawning of the age of Aquarius, right? That's what undid it all, or uh, well, yeah, it's kind of like you had the summer of love, and then you had Altamont, and then everyone's like, "Whoa, right, yeah, that, bummer, man!" That's a bit of a yeah cultural whiplash. But um, or you know what? You know what I always think of is um, there's a great um on the very great Donald Fagan solo album, The Nightfly, um, the song IGY is intended to capture the spirit of optimism like around the time that 
Kennedy was president before he got murked. Um, that feeling that we could solve all of the problems before humanity and we would do it with science and our own potential. And that sort of carried on into the very dire decade of the 70s, but it um, we moved away from For All Mankind to like, hey, like, I'm going to take a weekend, go up to Big Sur and like, you know, really work on my shit. Um, so you have things like the Esalen Institute, yeah. which is still around. Um, uh, what, could, what institute, what work could they possibly be doing at this point? I don't know because... Things like this seem to have a tendency to implode because of the severe lack of ethics of the people running them. But I don't know. Like, maybe they figured out to make, like, kind of like hippy-dippy California, like, free love shit work. They treat science as uh, some kind of uh, dodge or... uh... Hustle. Hustle, yeah. You are a poor scientist, Dr. Finkman. Um, See, they're a product of the 80s, right? Yeah, cynical 80s. Uh, The EPA is bad, right? Um, Right, yeah. But um, so uh, I was confused as to why Trumbull thought it was important that everybody go to fucking Esalen. Um, And here is a little bit of an explication from uh, a a pretty good article on Yahoo about um, kind of uh, from 2018, kind of looking back at Brainstorm, and they try to make the case that it's a sort of an unheralded classic, which I don't exactly agree. Like, I find, like, I mean, there are parts of this film that I love, and then you just end up disappointed. It, it at really captures, yeah, it captures a lot of things emblematic of the time, but mm-hmm. as a story, you're like, yeah, okay, sure. Right. So um, the article says that um, Trumbull's intention was to bring the cast together, uh, quote-unquote, on a very deep emotional level. And um, this all progressed from the beliefs of a Czech psychiatrist called Stanley Groff, who was, you know, worked with people at Esalen. And they were really into altered mental states. Um, Sort of like how Primal Scream in the 70s was supposed to help you, like, unlock really deep trauma. You Mm -hmm. know, just kind of get that shit that was clogging you up and bringing you down, man. Like, just get it all out in the open. You know, right. hence Primal Scream, Est, all those other things. Like, if we can just figure it out. You and know, all we, we got out of Primal it. Scream was Tears for Fears. <laughs> Which, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not complaining. Not I'm just bad. saying like, that's a lot of work for just you know, to produce one uh, you know, 180s pop band. Yeah, and um, from... Now, because this tidbit comes from the IMDb, take it with a grain of salt, but... Um, I, because I don't have a source on this, like my source is IMDb, but um, whoever wrote this factoid for IMDb asserts that um, Trumbull wanted everyone to study the concept of life after death, one of the themes at the center of Brainstorm, by taking a hallucinogenic drug that supposedly simulated death under the supervision of one of the Institute's doctors, which sounds to me like DMT or ayahuasca. All right. Goes back to Enter the Void, right? The experience of actually dying. Yeah. Um, now, my understanding is that ayahuasca is pretty hard to get. <laughs> like, you have to, like, know a shaman. I don't know anything about fucking <laughs> DMT, so. You have to go on a vision me. quest to acquire some. Yeah, we gotta ask a. new in college. We gotta ask a real head, like Mike, who, um, has often, uh, 
tread to the por- to the places where the veil between the between spiritual the and the real is you know thin um uh. But yeah, I don't know. So, but they couldn't get high ayahuasca or whatever. So they just did like deep breathing exercises and drank a lot tr- of coffee. <laughs> Who knows? Like went through, probably smoked some grass. Like experienced hysterical emotional states and blah blah. blah. Mm. I don't know if it really brought anything to the film because, and this is no shade to Trumbull, uh, the director, um, a technician par excellence. Um, mm-hmm. he worked on 2001 with Stanley Good. Kubrick, and then they didn't talk again for 10 years. <laughs> that's, that's normal for Kubrick. Yeah. I mean, who's surprised? Um, yeah. he, um, worked on, sorry, I gotta bring up my shit. Hey, you're the one editing it. What do I care? Yeah, I know. Like, it's actually, like, not that hard to, yeah. So, um, he also worked on... Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um, Blade Runner, famously. Okay, yeah, that flop, yeah. Um, and the only other film he had directed before this was Silent Running with Bruce Stern, which I actually recommend, even though that movie, like, destroyed me when I yeah, saw it in Cinematheque. It's I haven't, so sad. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, I trust on your recommendation to that I should go watch it. Yes, you like, you should see it because I feel like it would, like, it would really strike a chord. Right, yeah, and so I fucking brainstorm. <laughs> well, I had a nice time, but <laughs> maybe we can salvage this anyway. But um, after making Brainstorm, Trumbull walked away from Hollywood because he found the experience just totally frustrating. There was a big tussle to try to get the film even finished. Um, MGM actually just wanted to take the insurance payout after Natalie Wood died. Um, and... Oof. It was only when Lloyds of London put up another few million dollars that Trumbull was able to finish it. And I believe he's admitted in later interviews that, you know, really what broke him on that film was was Natalie's death. Um, It wasn't just I mean, you know, you expect to, like, haggle with the studio, but, you know, to lose your lead actress who is. Yeah, there's a point where you. Yeah, there's a point you just can be like, yeah, I'm I'm ready to wash my hands of this. Like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, and so he went into working with ride technology, and you've probably experienced something that Douglas Trumbull's worked on if you've gone to, like, a major theme park. Mm-hmm. Um, he made an early flight simulator. Um, he did a bunch more work with ShowScan. So, yeah, a technician. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not really the kind of director that um, actors like Natalie Wood or Christopher Walken might gravitate to because they both came out of kind of a method um, sort of tradition. Like when, you know, especially Natalie Wood after... Actually, they were both child actors, her and Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a lot of child actors, there's a desire to like, you know, if you like what you do, like I'm going to work on my craft and get better at it. And what better way than, you know, Strasbourg, the method, right, etc. Um, so there's definitely a feeling of i mean everybody's fine in this like you know we all love yeah chris rockin being a fucking weirdo you know it's uh natalie yeah, wood is a professional sort of... she's always good like and it's a little sad seeing her in her final performance but mm-hmm. she makes she makes enough out of an underwritten part right yeah christopher walken we like him in the same way we like keanu 
I mean, Watkins like a little more expressive, but in like certain ways. Yeah. And like every time he does something weird and off-putting on screen, you're just like, oh, <laughs> Christopher Walken, he's great. <laughs> What's he gonna do next? I don't know. Yeah, something weird and off-putting. Yeah, he's gonna like, act really strange. The, there's a shot of him when he's put on the headset and he's staring directly into the camera. That's hilarious. Like, it just struck me as so funny. And I was like, I would make this a gif if he, like, moved a muscle in it. Like, a screenshot will do. Right. Um, But, yeah, so you have the technical mastery of Trumbull. Maybe he's a little less interested in the emotional components of the story. Um, And as such, the script is a little weak. And it's really tempting to blame the sort of um the way this movie just kind of trails off on natalie wood's death but as it happened they had actually finished most of the film and it just happened that um they took like a break for thanksgiving and um natalie wood and her husband robert wagner decided that they were going to go uh relax on their yacht at catalina and they invited Mm -hmm. christopher walken along and then guy from work yeah (laughs) but we can talk about that yeah so you have a lot of cool technical shit in this movie which had me completely sucked in in the first half yeah it is a good technology showcase and a uh fun example of uh what i think uh we'd call cassette futurism yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I really it's it's a it's a niche uh, aesthetic, but I really respond to it not just here, but like you know you'll see a lot of that in like Alien and uh, uh, Blade Runner also. Yes, yeah, that, that sort of like you know uh, clunky keyboard CRT you know video technology sort of mm-hmm. aesthetic, which which I respond to as someone who grew up during the eighties. And I like that the CRTs aren't, like, totally obtrusive in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. they did a really good job with the displays. Because yeah. usually when you see displays in, like, a science fiction movie of the period, you're like, ha remember CRT monitors? They weighed a fucking ton. Man, uh, I used yeah. to hate moving those in my old job. That sucked. <laughs> um, but I was not thrown out of the movie, even with some of the really, like, dated-looking displays that you see in the movie. Like, yeah, I just kind it's... of accepted it. Yeah, it was the sort of thing that was high technology for the time. Uh, and I uh, admired the movie committing to, like, we're just going to put all kinds of crazy high-tech, plausible stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. The sort of stuff that would be, like, ironic and retro in, like, say, Beyond the Black Rainbow. <laughs> which, yeah, also takes place in, like, a sinister version of the same kind of... Um, just, just doing pure science, you know... Uh, an engineering laboratory that they have because Science. they have yeah because they have just like a little bit of everything they're just like hey, hey you want to experiment on a monkey today sure you want to do a flight simulator sure yeah uh you want to <laughs> peek inside someone's brain sure yeah you want to see some titties yeah <laughs> yeah it's like look we we got funding for 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 miles you know we can just just do whatever you want just do science <laughs> yeah and this was um I mean, obviously, there's still projects that get, like, jillions of dollars thrown at mm-hmm. them, but this really feels like something of another era. Maybe because the sets are all so expansive in that 80s way. Mm-hmm. Like, and, um, God, like, people 
really pick on the 70s for having hideous decor. <laughs> but I feel like the 80s like just really doubled down on the ugliness. Like there wasn't even really like a flare. Yeah, to... everything was like really um dull corporate earth tones. Yeah, like a lot of wood. Yeah, a lot of wood paneling. I mean, just look at my Atari. Like it doesn't look horrible, but it also looks like the office of the the villain in Time Chasers. It's funny you should mention Time Chasers. <laughs> because uh Christopher Walken as, you know, one of the two uh uh scientists in this, the other is um Oh, what's Louise Fletcher. Yeah, yeah Louise Fletcher, nurse. Who Ratchet. is incredible in this? Yeah, she's great. She's great as a as a scientist on the edge, but not in a good way. Yeah, and uh, one of those like a little bit like um, uh, Francis Sternhagen in um, Outland. Yeah, like because she's yeah, really she's axe. really brittle. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the kind of female character that I really love. Yeah, someone who yeah is a is a flawed uh, someone who's uh, worked and sacrificed to get where they are rather than just some like gallivanting girl boss. Yeah, and she's um like you can tell the stress is taking a toll because right from the beginning of the movie she's ripping those ciggies right in the lab. That's another yeah. '80s thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where you could uh, smoke around like delicate equipment because right. who would who would say that you couldn't? Yeah, well, that's there insane. Are, haven't been any proven harmful effects of of smoke. Uh, smoking. Yeah, so, and this movie actually, funnily enough, this movie actually ends up being like a pretty potent, like having a pretty potent anti-smoking message. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is back when they had ashtrays in McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Louise Fletcher is great in her role. Um, Christopher Walken is a is a super nerd to the point of his, you know, they have a, a beautiful house of a particular retro kitsch <laughs> style. Kitch. Um, it has it has an observatory. Uh, it's it has got a, fucking everything. Yeah, it's got an indoor pool. He rides a recumbent bike to it, <laughs> like Grass Valley Greg. Yeah, like if that is got enough, a pool for the for the kids. Yeah, so it's this it's this high tech you know science fantasy, and I mean him just riding the bike. I'm like, I wonder if there's a you know f- a forgotten Vermont filmmaker. Who's like, you know, I want to do a high-tech movie about a super nerd, too. Yeah, but I feel like um, the the people who made Time Chasers didn't have, like, cocaine money like they no. did on this no, movie. Yeah, they, they had, <laughs> no, they, they, had, they had maple syrup money, and that's about it. Yeah, because this is, this is fucking cocaine money. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, you know, like any other, uh, you know, uh, uh Castleton, you know, engineering alum. Um, <laughs> but if um, if Nick Miller from Time Chasers was yeah. fully on the spectrum, not just a nerd. Oh yeah, <laughs> like this would... is this is completely this is complete, un- and I say this with love, complete undiagnosed autism on mm-hmm. the part of Christopher Walken's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so Christopher Walken gets to and and Louis Fletcher, like they get to pretty much do what they want. Like they're doing just you know, just just wild research. They've got a benefactor who's very hands off. It's like, come come to me when you when you got something cool to show me, and otherwise it's like, yeah, just do whatever. So the, those are the real um, salad days of them getting getting able to just spend grant money and do whatever the hell they want in the lab, and they come up with something cool out of it. So it's like, okay, now what? The anti Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> like there isn't some dipshit like wandering around getting his little 
dirty fingers and everything and like fucking it all up. Yeah, yeah. So he's it's and yeah, it is emblematic of a of a certain time. It does have this sort of optimism to it where it's like you can be a scientist and you can be, you know, rich and environmentally conscious and conscientious and you'll have a uh an entrepreneurial benefactor who's very hands-off and you can just do good work to solve the world's problems and it's like that is that that's the that's a summer of love before you know the ultimate we're living in now yeah and it kind of um it it kind of evokes like biosphere like that level of optimism yeah yeah where it's like we are doing something really like earth shattering and great here and we have free reign to do it um ignore all those military guys over there right yeah ignore that we're you know quietly letting in you know uh oxygen and other um you know essential resources (laughs) into this biosphere but (laughs) the basic idea is fine and um much as um the problem like the problem with the space shuttle my or one of the problems with the space shuttle is my understanding is that to actually do it the um nasa was obligated to work with the military on it like they had they had to promise that they would take up military payloads mm-hmm. like they didn't really have a choice like there was for all mankind like fuck that like what the fuck like can we kill yeah. things yeah what about mankind down here on earth yeah and so kind yeah, of the like same thing s- here setting up satellites that you didn't even know about until trump tweeted about them <laughs> <laughs> to get a sick burn on uh, some you know iraqi uh functionary i love how um whatever it was i love how a thing that apparently got him in trouble with his latest legal wrangle is that he just had to show these really cool maps of the middle east to kid rock like it's fucking rock it's because he wanted to impress kid rock (laughs) well that kid can rock (laughs) yeah so um yeah so but um and that's that's another relic because um nowadays when you have the military in a movie, it's because you've made nice to them so they can fund a great deal of your production budget. Right, yeah, which is also why, um, and, you know, people who listen to the show will also recall, like, that was a sticking point for Independence Day. They didn't get support from the military because they're like, oh, yeah, one of our plot points is Area 51, and the military's <laughs> like, uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> Uh, but thank God we were able to get Roland Emmerich's unvarnished vision. Right, yeah. I'm like and the then, only person on Earth who like hates that movie, but whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. And hey, you know, only 30 years later, we've had congressional hearings about people saying, I, I knew a guy who thought he saw a UFO once. <laughs> well, so, I'm convinced. Yeah, it's like, oh, God, not this shit again. That's good enough for, for this era of uh, of information. I guess. You know, where, like, you can get, like, a 100,000 followers on Twitter just tweeting QAnon shit. And then when you tweet, like, actual child porn, the right, guy yeah. runs the site, will be like, ah, you know, we'll just delete it and give you a mulligan on that one. Yeah, information, misinformation, who gives a shit? It's yeah. all content. Man, I, um... Just gotta drive that follower count. I gotta get paid on Twitter by just posting whatever the fuck passes through my skull well you know what uh you know what i think advertisers will love Mm -hmm. is being is advertising on a site where someone has posted unredacted screenshots of child porn (laughs) or um let me rephrase child sexual abuse material 
Oh, right, yeah. Well, yeah. hey, hey, can I sweeten the deal? We got a presidential candidate posting Nazi dog whistles. Huh? <laughs> God. Yeah, I want to go back. I want to go back to brainstorm. I want to go back to a simpler time. <laughs> right, yeah. Just a, a naive time when we thought, you know, people would use science for, for good things rather than, you know, tr- turn a quick buck. Yeah, when you, like, if you wanted to get on the internet, you have to have, to, you had to have one of those, like, suitcases with a phone in it. Yeah, yeah, to actually plug your phone into you know, a receiver, and you could get on, you know, you could get onto a BBS at 200 baud. <laughs> Although, that said, um, BBSs were a bit of a wild west unto themselves. Yeah. I'm um, just saying that some of the images that get posted on Twitter, um, they most likely originated on a BBS. Uh, yeah, that I understand that that was um, kind of a big problem with a lot of these early watering holes of right, the, yeah. the internet. Um, but man, like, and that's the thing about this movie is that there's so much interesting shit in it. Like, especially yeah. in the first half, that <laughs> yeah. you could, you know, if you're a nerd like me, and this movie is very nerdy, you could go down all kinds of rabbit holes and just get completely lost. Um, yeah, it touches on a lot of stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. I'm not and talking about it, child porn, but... And it's kind of like um, some other movies of the era that start from really cool premises and then aren't really able to sustain the coolness for the entire thing. I'm thinking of um, Michael Crichton's film Looker, um, Demon Seed with Julie mm-hmm. Christie, yeah. which fucking cool ass premise. And this is kind of like, eh, nah, I, I guess. Yeah, it's like, then what? Yeah. Um, that's really where this kind of ends up, but maybe we can get a little more into the, the meat of the film or the, um, the large format magnetic holographic decorative tape. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I do like the, the decorative tape because it is, um, like a lot of the, uh, props in this, it is sort of familiar technology, just you know taken a step further it isn't just magnetic tape it's like you know super holographic magnetic tape yeah and like there's so much information in there you can just tell yeah it is just you know <laughs> 480 scan lines it's, it's way more than that yeah. um and it is funny too like little moments of just the idea of what technology was was like at the time because yeah of course someone uses it to to make porn on <laughs> and then you know they give it to to one of the department guys and he you know he he scrolls through it and then he gets to the to the good part and he he just splices it into a loop which i mean well that's what i would do yeah and it's funny because it like almost kills him but he like yeah. comes out of it a new man <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and, and i i just like that you can take this sort of transcendental experience uh quantify it onto a length of holographic tape and then just um like put it in a, a film splicer and put some scotch tape over the seam and then just run it in a loop until you like <laughs> die because you came too hard i love i love the huge uh, guillotine splicers yeah that he, that they used which i assume were probably like some kind of like you know, 70 millimeter splicer that they just like, you know, they stuck Had, the yeah. holographic tape onto. Right. Yeah. Um, and it makes you wonder like what a splice feels like when it goes through your brain. I, I imagine it feels something like deja vu. I guess so. Like that's, um, 
freaky. But yeah, so this guy is like, yeah. what if I could like come forever? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just hold, just like he's his computer sister edging. Yeah, and um, that's all thanks to the uh, creepy lab assistant who um, is sort of like the human guinea pig for the lab. Um, mm-hmm. This is well before um, he's the intern. Yeah, it's not. It's not before any substantive discussion of medical or experimental ethics or anything like that. But it's definitely before like human resources departments and like sexual harassment training, because a lot of the shit this guy pulls in the lab is not chill. Like when he plugs uh, Chris Rockin into a feed directly from a chimp. Yeah. Which um. Probably feels weird because, like, what's the percentage on, like, chimps being, like, similar to us? It's, like, 98% or something like that. Yeah, but, it's, it's extremely high. Yeah, but it probably feels weird and bad. Yeah, not something that you just want to, like, pull on someone. Yeah. And it's like, like it dude, be, what are you doing? It, it would be weird like enough this... to, like, go into a meeting and instead of the person you're supposed to meet, there's a chimp there. <laughs> Well, I know you love it because you'd be like, holy shit, I have finally realized my dream of jumping into an episode of Lancelot Link's Secret Chimp. <laughs> and then the chimp would address you and be like, hello, Tim. <laughs> I'd be like, wow, how's he talking with his mouth just like moving in like no kind of discernible connection to, to the, the words I'm hearing? That's wild. How do you do that? <laughs> if I entered a room and there was a chimp sitting there, I would like leave like Grandpa Simpson. I'm very afraid of chimps. <laughs> yeah, I respect I them. Uh huh. You know, as our very close relatives, and they deserve our respect as mm. intelligent beings. But I, I don't want to be near them. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're they're very strong and very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I res- would only trust people who are one of those things. <laughs> Too smart for me, baby. I like them stupid. <laughs> um, That's why Jen only dates chimps. <laughs> no, my problem, and uh-huh. also another reason why this movie actually hit me mm-hmm. right in the fucking emotional center was because I like them smart to my eternal frustration. Oh, yeah. That's the worst. Um, I don't want to do that. Yeah, so that, but, you know, we can get to that as well. Kind of like the emotional center of the movie, which is um, Chris Rock and Natalie Wood's relationship in it. Like, mm-hmm. they're, um, you can tell right from the beginning, like, they're they're breaking up. You know, they're selling the house, trying to explain to their kid, like, why mommy and daddy are living separately. Mm-hmm. And he is apparently fucking his coworker, Louise Fletcher. I, all right, uh, I didn't get that, um, mostly because I'm like, really? <laughs> because you didn't believe that someone would make the move from Natalie Wood to Louise Fletcher? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that is so, that is so mean on my part, and yeah. this is like, and this is like a Hollywood thing, because, um, you know, people who don't look like movie stars, like, fuck and cheat on each other and break up and reform like all the time like Mm -hmm. that's human life we're used to a different version of it on the screen um i can see maybe why he would start sleeping with his co-worker because they're spending all this time together and she is very brilliant and he is also very brilliant like his 
ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife is also very brilliant, mm-hmm. but they're That's not spoiled for choice. They're not connected anymore, you know. Hence the impending divorce. And ah, you know, he just works too hard. Well, this and this is where it like hits a little too close to home for me. Is that he's very smart and very difficult. And in fact, when at one point when um, Chris Rogan's character sees his his ex with you know some like fucking menswear catalog guy, mm-hmm. and he asks her like why. Like, why him? And her answer is, because he's a perfectly wonderful, thoughtful, uncreative guy. Which literally echoes something my mom said to me a while back, where I was lamenting the fact that I like him smart. Mm-hmm. And then they give me problems. <laughs> because they do strange things, and they're hard to understand. And, you know, I get really emotional. I think I get it, but I don't. And I yeah. can't figure it out. And then my mom said, you know, that was a thing that I really appreciate about your father is, you know, he was just very straightforward. And my father was like a really smart dude. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after one marriage that didn't quite come off, like mm-hmm. he settled down with my mom and was happy. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, that like I'll I'll sort of understand, you know, in my own um, uh, uh socially maladjusted way is that um yeah like you think you know you can sometimes you know date for for love or passion or you know find your soulmate but a lot of times someone's like you know you don't seem to cause any problems you you'll you'll do right and i think that's um things i think that's how it goes with with human beings where we seek uh because we're intelligent beings we seek Mm -hmm. stability but we also want like the wild thrills of, uh, yeah. you know, like driving yeah, a semi th- off a cliff. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you can see where it's just like, you know, he, d- he doesn't have a lot going on. He's not going to cause any problems. You know, he's attractive enough. He barely talks. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. He doesn't create any problems for me. He's Wears someone a who's sports there. Jacket well, yeah, I can hang out with him and, you know, we can watch, you know, orange is the new black. He listens to my string quartets that I have in my living room. Right, yeah. Yeah. These are rich fucking people. <laughs> they yeah, they've they've really succeeded at, at doing science. Yeah, like I feel like like one or both of them must have admitted something to like you know, be able to like just build their own complex and yeah, play class. And uh but to have an observatory, like a private yeah. observatory. That's that's yeah that that's like silicon valley rich that's like yeah yeah (laughs) that's pretty tight actually although there is is a little bit of um i did feel a bit of an echo because um you know when at the beginning of the movie when chris rockin comes home very very late from work after Mm -hmm. uh kissing his coworker louise fletcher you know he comes to the living room where natalie wood is playing piano with her um string quartet and they're just Mm kind of like oh you know hey and uh, then he goes to his space, which has a mini fridge in it, and where he's like, I, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing. And I was like, oh, this is like my life. Like, my mom is like listening to classical music in the living room, mm-hmm. and um, I'm drinking in my room. And like, I, I got to go record this podcast with this dunce. <laughs> yeah, like, I got to do the podcast, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take an edible, and I'm going to watch the beginning of Rouge again. <laughs> Just see, just whatever's on Netflix. Yeah, and then I'll, if I'll I get, and then if I get like 
incandescently high, I'll be like, ooh, I'm going to watch that Antonio Gaudí documentary that I love so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm really I am re- tripping balls. I am really realizing my human potential, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Uh, so the funny um, uh, meta-narrative of this is that the movie, and this is, you know, my my position on the movie is that this was made to showcase Super Panavision, 70mm fisheye lens craziness. The uh, The sort of meta-irony in this is that they invent this helmet that'll scan your brain and, um, you know, let you experience things for other people. And what do they come up with? Just a bunch of, like, demo material for shareholders where it's like, hey, going out on a horse, uh, riding a roller coaster, I'm going to go surfing, I'm going to go, you know, skydiving or something. And so it's like the movie didn't think of anything beyond, like, ah, oh, we need to think of a cool thing to, to make this stuff do. Like, what does it do? Uh, it does I don't know, it does cool shit. Like, what's, what's it for? Yeah, and that's maybe where it doesn't succeed as as, um, as much as a film like, for example, Altered States, if you've ever or, seen that. Or Strange Days. Yeah, where, um, I mean, yeah, okay, like, yeah, like, you have two masterful technicians here. Like, you got your mm-hmm. Trumbull, you got your James Cameron. Yeah. Um, and Cameron is always pushing the envelope. And he goes like, like, th- and this, and in this movie, you have like, you know, kind of like that was Cameron's ex doing Strange Days, right? Catherine Bigelow, but he produced on it. Whatever. I think. Um, yeah. Power same, couple. Yeah. Same, yeah. Same diff. You know, he it's likes some. He likes some tall <laughs> he likes and talented. T- problematic. Yeah. 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 Good for him. I like um, dating CIA assets. He's been married like six times too, to the surprise of no one. Right. But um. Like I was saying, in this movie, you have kind of like, hey, like, just relax. Everybody's in the hot tub, like, kind of sex. Yeah. And then in Strange Days, Strange Days, you get, like, the, like, awful, disturbing, dystopian, it's, deviant sex. It's what people would really do if they had, like, a VR helmet and no um, uh, qualms about what they're experiencing. It's it's the yes. uh, sort of, uh, it's the, um, what, uh, ogrish.com. Uh, <laughs> Uh, answer God. answer to like uh what um uh the facebook metaverse right like if you if you combine the metaverse with like documentingreality.com right yeah because you just know that somebody would be like yeah i'm gonna put on this helmet i'm gonna fucking rape a bitch right yeah like somebody would do something like that i'm to gonna rape. put this helmet on you while i'm raping you so yeah. yeah and then i'm gonna strangle you to death right so strange days strange days indeed yeah. Um, but yeah, but this movie takes a much more optimistic uh, thought about um, dying for science. Where... Yeah, and like, uh, have you ever seen the black hole? Yeah, that not a, not a good movie. But um, one of the things that fascinates me about that movie is its weird metaphysical ending. Okay. Which really feels like the last gasp of that era of well yeah it's, it's a black optimism. hole like who knows it's right crazy yeah. huh the potential is endless and like we might like transcend you know it's like um and you know douglas tremble who um created the stargate mm-hmm. in 2001 which is about you know man moving on to like a new yeah. phase so you get those and, plane of existence man. and there's some sick like slit scan style graphics in this too which are so mm-hmm. fucking cool and i need to make a gif of that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um 
Dude, I'm going to put that on a loop and just like watch it forever until yeah. I like, come and die. <laughs> Gaspar Noe will be like, hook me up to that. Yeah, he'll be like, oh, I must see. This is this is fascinating. And <laughs> can we put more tits and dicks in it? <laughs> um, more close-ups of CG dicks, please. There are tits in this, no dicks. Um, oh, one thing I did want to mention, because yeah. um, at the shareholders meeting where they demo the product, mm-hmm. And they have all that, like, hey, like, soaring over California type. Yeah, that was my first go to (laughs) reference. (laughs) Which is a cool ride, but doesn't really push the boundaries because, you know, it's a fucking Disney experience. Yeah, you don't walk away from a a changed person. Yeah, feeling like a little bit sick, unless you're like, you know, you didn't take your drama mean. But, Mm. um,. For accidentally at the end of the reel, it's like, oh hey, like you want to see some titties, right? Yeah, we're also going, to, you know, to uh, to a casino and brothel or something, right? And so you have these, Cause, um, yeah, because it is it is like a hair's breadth from like the I'd buy that for a dollar. Yes, kind of scenario, you know? yeah, like you're just you're just like a step away from just like just wallowing like a pig and shit in mm-hmm. all of life's pleasures and so it's like hey like here are three beautiful blondes with push-up bras like offering you hors d'oeuvres which is great right. i would never leave like if i had been in that meeting i'd be like can you give me like that tape loop yeah for real i want to eat all of those little cakes yeah because well, i think even after it someone's like yeah and i still feel full and it's like <laughs> that is weird <laughs> <laughs> oh, and just um, a weird, like you know, side effect throwaway line. Yeah, and you know who one of the trio of blondes is? Who's that? Lana Clarkson. Uh, of uh, the mom of Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> well, he must have been so devastated when she was murdered by Phil Spector. Because mm. that is that is that is who that is. That was uh, in her when she was trying to get the foot in the door. I think maybe right before she got some like barbarian movies mm-hmm. or whatever uh yeah so r.i.p lana and wow. r.i.p natalie there's there is like the the whiff of death on this one yeah this movie really is about uh transcending uh, your your uh, mortal shell yeah and um kind of wanting to go like right up to that edge of mm-hmm. a truly transgressive experience to like you know to do the dmt thing and to die but hey yeah, it's, like it's, it's i DMT might be going to a better real. place yeah. yeah that's um it's it's a mood far removed from our current mood you know what i mean okay yeah yeah because that that happens in in the movie where you know we've <laughs> kind of gone through like all the cheap demo material stuff where it's like yeah, let's 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 ride a roller coaster. Let's go soaring over California. But then it's like, what happens when you die? It's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, and there's already kind of like a um, there's like that slight discordant note, like right from the beginning of the movie, because mm-hmm. you know we've seen somebody get plugged into a chimp. Like we've seen somebody like put like a hot fudge sundae on a steak and then eat it to like test yeah. the device. It's like, ugh, like there's all kinds of sickening directions it could go in, and you know. Like the, um, and of course, you know, as Tim pointed out right away, um, as soon as there's a new technology, it's like, okay, how can I fuck with this? Right, I know, yeah. I mean, like, have sex. There's already kind of that, like, little sickly edge to it. And that occurred to me when I was, when they're running their demo reel for the, the shareholders or mm-hmm. potential investors, because the person who recorded a lot of this demo footage was this, you know, the creepy lab assistant, Gordy, who, mm-hmm. um, I think it's played by the lead from uh, a really un, 
unsung, unloved, and deservedly so movie of the 60s, Angel, Angel, Down We Go, where he plays like a creepy singer, and he's creepy in this too. Um, Right. He is the guinea pig, like I said, and at one point they put him on a horse, because it's like, hey, you want to know what it's like to ride a horse? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, you know, I don't want the experience of an unexperienced rider (laughs) <laughs> on a horse that would be terrifying and i I've, want the experience from the horse's point of view well you know if you could put like a olympic level dressage rider mm-hmm. like on or a gymnast or something yeah like a you know just like a hundred thousand dollar dutch warm blood and or i want to have that ride because i've ridden horses for you know i rode for like four or five years but i wasn't riding at that level i want to experience that i don't want to experience some like terrified pervert like strapped to a hunter <laughs> i want i want to experience a guy who is um like a musician who is in kind of a crummy band but he doesn't know it and every time he just gets up there he just thinks he is just the shit and like everything that he's <laughs> playing is just like like hey um when when we were in Taco Bell at like two in the morning, and that guy came in and started rapping. <laughs> guys, yeah. guys, that was that was all off the top of my head. Like, yeah, the guy who would um like he the guy who would break up most of his lines with uh 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 uh, yeah. and I don't mean like Master P. Yeah, <laughs> he was just I don't know like you you think that we're inarticulate on this show? This guy. Yeah, but he was just, like, so feeling himself yes. that he's just, like, amazed. Like, my, my flow cannot be beat. Like, science is too tight. So I want that guy's experience. <laughs> where, like, I just, like, stumble into a Taco Bell late at night, and I just start just riffing off the top of my head, being like, God damn it, I've never been this good before. Would Give you me like, that guy's experience. Would you like to be ace for a day? <laughs> Everything would be so livid, bro. I would, I would be livid when I finally had to come down from that. Yeah, so, you know, like to to be to watch the Philando Castile video and laugh at it instead of feeling <laughs> profound horror. Yeah, and be like, did you see that? <laughs> Fuck. Fuck, dude. Anyway, yeah. he was asking for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being homeless like that. Being black uh, and all. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, or or not just uh not just riding a horse. Let's put uh let's put one of these thinking caps on Mr. Hands. Let's let's get into <laughs> some of those singular experiences. <laughs> what if it wasn't Louise Fletcher dying of a heart attack? It was that uh that Pacific Northwest era horse enthusiast getting his colon perforated by an Arabian stallion. Right, yeah. I don't think I would like to experience that. <laughs> <laughs> like because um What's clear from the movie is that, and, you know, yes, from Louise Fletcher's, like, really incredible death scene, mm-hmm. is that, I mean, you really experience everything. And that could almost be useful, like, if if you're like, okay, no, like, because they say to you, like, um, you know, the symptoms of a heart attack can really vary. Like, sometimes you'll feel like crushing chest pain, but, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you'll just kind of, like, for women, I think they'll say, like, oh, you feel it more in your jaw or, like you know, whatever, like to experience the agony of a heart attack without having the heart attack. Cause then mm. you would know that you're going to have it. <laughs> like, right. You're like, when it comes on, you're like, Oh shit, that's what this is. Yeah. It's myocardial it's like, infarction. Yeah. It is like playing 
uh, alien isolation in a VR helmet. We were like, I know I'm not going to die, but my brain doesn't know that. Right. Yeah, and that's another part of what appeals to me about this movie. Like, that room, which is siloed off behind glass, and it has shelves marked with caution tape, and those are all the toxic reels. Yeah. They're the ones that people just, like, nagging you. Or, like, being like, I just want you to watch this one YouTube video. Or... <laughs> hey, have you seen this? It's called One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. Right. <laughs> yeah, we put the helmet on Luca Magnata as he was jerking off with this guy's hand. Right, yeah. It is it is uh, It's the Arba Dwyer video, but, you know, <laughs> but it's first person. You're taking, you're taking the handgun out of the bag. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about how you're never going to see your family again. Jesus, that is dark. And, yeah. Yeah. This movie does edge up to some extremely dark places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... there's a fun fantasy scene of um, uh, uh, Rusty from European Vacation being being menaced <laughs> by Christopher Walken. <laughs> yeah. And um, fun production note, um, I guess is written, this kid accidentally stumbles onto a tape which uh, records someone having a psychotic break. Mm-hmm. Um, and the warning up front uh, tells you, like, you are going to experience psychosis, and you're going to feel, like, yeah. I forget how he puts it, you're 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 going to feel this, and you have, like, five seconds to, to turn the tape off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it implies, like, it's going to access your darkest fears. And for this poor kid, originally, it was going to be, because we see him swimming in, the, in their um, indoor pool, mm-hmm. like, early on in the film. It originally was going to depict um, his dad drowning him in that pool. Um, but since the lead actress had just drowned, uh, yeah, they decided to rewrite it. So you get more of like a, that, yeah. a mad scientist kind of thing, which maybe, you know, like it works fine. Um, it's a little Baroque, but I like Baroque. And I mentioned altered states mm-hmm. early on in the film. Maybe that's what's missing is like, Ken Russell's like just fuck it, let's go balls out kind yeah, of attitude. Like, yeah, we're gonna have some like blue screen digital video in the middle of our film. Yeah, like you're gonna see like you're gonna see a you're gonna see Blair Brown nude, you're gonna see a goat with like ten eyes. Yeah. You're gonna <laughs> yeah. see just fucked up shit, dude. Yeah, you're gonna see uh you know, uh nuns <laughs> impaled by a serpent. Yeah. Just just, just regular garden variety Ken Russell shit. Maybe they should put a tape on his head. Oh man, can you? Like, I would, I would watch that. <laughs> Ken Russell fever dream. That would be the biggest blast of all. Yeah. Yeah. So instead, you get, um, hey, like we're going to do exhibition. Like we're gonna make large format experiences for an audience at a theme park or you know a hotel you know what yeah. i mean yeah and i mean i keep recontextualizing this in vr because that's kind of the parlance of our mm-hmm. times um and yeah it does seem like it's something that is more immersive rather than just watching a movie because you know it having played you know vr games it you know it's easy enough to laugh at you know people watching a nickelodeon of a train coming towards you on film and then you diving out of the way at the end <laughs> like you know audiences apocryphally did except for you know i'm playing vr games and like um, there was, you know, before the pandemic, there is, there's this, you know, chain of VR places called The Void. Um, so you'd enter <laughs> Did you void. ever enter it? <laughs> I did, yeah. I, I, I lived a lifetime in there. And one of them was the, the Ghostbusters one, where you have, um, 
you know, you go up, you know, several flights of fighting ghosts through through uh, through this haunted building, and then you have to go outside around this part of the building that's uh, sort of like blown up. You have to walk across this narrow board, three stories in the air. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is all happening inside a room at the mall. Right. <laughs> but at the time, you're like, well, I don't. It doesn't feel like that. Right. So, yeah, you have this very immediate experience, and I can see the the merit in that because, yeah, at the time I'm thinking, like, what is the, what is the, like, business, like, what's the commercial use of this, you know, brainstorm project? Like, what good is it? And it's like, Tim, you're watching a movie. (laughs) (laughs) And it posits a kind of virtual reality that people will be unable to resist, which has not quite panned out. Well, that's that's what I'm saying, though, is like you're watching you're looking at a bunch of things that are contrived and fake and you're being like, well, that's just stupid. Why would anyone want to pay to experience this and be like, yeah, you're also crying when you watch a movie, too. Like you you dunce, like (laughs) figure it out. This is the application for it. You know why people love the technology in this movie so much is because it's analog. Yeah, (laughs) you have warmer. It's just so much richer. yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah well compare like the um compare compare the virtual experiences and i know i'm not i'm not slamming the movie tim because i know it's a favorite of yours compare Mm. the virtual experiences in this to say the lawnmower man (laughs) yeah i mean they're they're two different kinds of things i think you know one's putting the cart before the horse where it's like let's just show some cool computer generated shit yeah, where it's like, hey, have you ever wanted to be in a Peter Gabriel video? And it's like, well... And Jen's like, well, okay, yeah, you got me there. Bad example, Jen. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, well, someone, I... Someone told me Peter Gabriel recorded a new album, and it's just like, so? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> right, but I but I was you know un, unfairly dismissive of this uh, brainstorm technology because it's like yeah it can create immersive immediate affecting experiences like VR promised to but you know never really delivered and I think a lot of the reason yeah. that you know just VR didn't is because it's <clears throat> it's imp- it's an impractical way to achieve a suboptimal result of something that like kind of already happens pretty effectively. Like you can sit down and watch a movie with other people. You don't need to buy, you know, a, a helmet and have a gaming PC to do that. You can just hang out and watch a movie or read a book or listen to music or something. But like, you know, the way that this brain can, brainstorm stuff is posited in the movie, it's, you know, that, that much more immediate and affecting. Cause you know, it isn't yeah. just, you're watching someone have a psychotic break. It's like you, have the psychotic break right and um that was something that um this movie envisioned Mm -hmm. that virtual reality didn't quite do in the 90s until um you know catherine bigelow and james cameron said like well what if it was like truly immersive and you experienced it which yeah it's kind of implied in strange days what if we had done like wild palms but more so but um that movie, Strange Days, which I f- think is like pretty good, um, has its flaws, but it is it is pretty good. Yeah, I'll get yeah. that. I do I do like that movie, but it had a budget of forty two million, pulled down eight million. So people weren't buying this. 
Yeah, that's yeah, an action movie directed by a woman. I mean, come on. <laughs> Ridiculous. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, VR isn't say. VR isn't the appeal. It's the it's the love story between Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. That's what gets the butts and seats. Right, yeah. It's uh yeah, that uh, one of the other things about like the immersiveness of VR, and I'm just using that as a way to describe how you know immediate this uh, you know brainstorm experience would feel. Um, not not even just as awesome as seeing something in seventy, Jen, but a friend of mine who um, you know, I, I knew uh, some people who shot VR movies, and a friend of mine performed a uh, monologue from I want to say Hamlet in it. And she's watching it, you know, recorded, you know, stereoscopically in a VR helmet. And it's like, wait, I'm me, but I'm watching me. And I'm right there. Where am I? So a very uncanny experience for her. Yeah. And you kind of get that in the movie because um, at first you're like, oh, obviously these are all the, you know, these are memories. Because uh, there's a point where um, they kind of push a little bit beyond when... um, Christopher Walken's character, um, Michael Brace, he records some of his wife's spontaneous thoughts and Mm -hmm. um, creates, like, what is the true breakthrough of the film? A machine that enables you to empathize with your wife. Well, now we're in real science fiction technology. That's fucking crazy. Like, what if you could climb right into a broad's brain? (laughs) and really know what's rattling around in there. Plenty of room in here, yeah. Um, and so you, because we've seen like the POV experiences that they recorded, but then we get these um, memories where yeah, you get thoughts. Yeah, like you, and you see, um, you see Natalie Wood seeing herself, and like later on, you see Louise Fletcher seeing herself mm-hmm. um, in her memories, which, um, like, I assumed is is a way of being like that's how like charged and vivid these emo these memories are mm-hmm. is that um you know you like you don't remember them in like show scan pov but it sort of encapsulates that that feeling like kind of like the three-dimensionality of the the emotions because we see like her very charged memories of you know just being absolutely like at the end of her rope with her husband when they're like we got to split up because like this isn't this isn't fucking working anymore. Yeah, it's much more immediate, and that's the and I understand what they're doing with you know using the you know uh, Panasonic seventy millimeter thing to be like, yeah, this is much more immediate than just you know, watching a movie or experiencing your normal day to day. Like this is something that hits you on a much deeper level. Yeah, it is. It is truly immersive and like a little bit overwhelming, which is why you see a lot of these like extraordinary reactions to the. Um, to what's been recorded mm-hmm. um which can as we see eventually can be like toxic yeah i mean if you're experiencing trauma firsthand what do you think that's going to do to a person right exactly and it, um, it is just, i mean you know that's enough they're like you know i was watching a, a youtube video that had like a, a trigger warning about like oh this video mentioned suicide right and um so yeah imagine it's like oh this video mentions your suicide like what yeah, or like the excruciatingly detailed widescreen story of your last breakup with your greatest <laughs> love. And that's where this movie and all you know, you're 
people will say that I'm an idiot because mm-hmm. people well, don't. I really mostly s- say that. <laughs> I'll leave it to you, Tim. Yeah. Most people really don't seem to like this movie, and they are, you know, they're not convinced by the relationship between um, Walken and Wood. I've heard people who worked on it say, like, "Oh God, there was like no chemistry between the two, which is very weird, because Natalie Wood apparently was infatuated with Christopher Walken while they were making this film." But it worked on me. Hang out on her yacht. Yeah, it worked on me because there was a point uh, when I just started sobbing. Mm -hmm. I am not kidding. When um, he experiences her thoughts, and it seems to unlock something in him, and he makes a tape of his own thoughts, and he lets her play it, and she experiences what what he's feeling, and this is some real human potential movement shit where it's like oh my god like we've like broken the ceiling on empathy because what you know people don't talk enough anymore (laughs) well because like let me just rap with you man um (laughs) because most of us who aren't sociopaths or you know severely mentally ill have Mm -hmm. empathy for other people and we do feel a little bit of other people's pain but you can't really like climb inside somebody's head and experience it and that's what these two experience which immediately rekindles their relationship and it was um the moment of what probably most people would think were like pretty trite evocations of the halcyon days of their relationship mm-hmm. you see them just not you know they go to like uh they go to kitty hawk and they talk about flight and you know he autistically recites facts about the wright brothers to her while she's like cuddled up to him and i'm like i've been there and then <laughs> <laughs> the the Wright brothers do kind of loom large over this movie. It's it's unexpected. Yeah, um, probably meant something to uh, Bruce Joel Rubin, Douglas Trumbull. Probably like a lot of the technicians who worked on this movie. The idea of like you know that like quantum leap of a breakthrough. Yeah, well, you know, it was talking about how flight you know changed the world. And, yes. You know, like was it like sixty years between Kitty Hawk and you know Apollo? Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, so if you're thinking about, you know, brainstorm in that context, yeah, that that could really change things. But this is this is what rocked my shit. It's the moment mm-hmm. when, you know, you're you're seeing kind of their um uh, you know, their iPhone slideshow of like, you know, oh, our trip to <laughs> our trip to Kitty Hawk and we had fun. And then they're they um the memories kind of mix with what they decide to do that night which is it's like hey you know let's try on like our um you know the stuff we wore at our wedding like mm-hmm. i will put on uh i will put on a funny like groucho marx nose and glasses and mustache and we'll make popcorn <laughs> right. and and i was laughing at that you know sort of chuckling like oh you know that really is what a relationship like is like you remember like really stupid stuff that would make people on the outside like roll their eyes it's Mm -hmm. like because there's nothing grosser than when you see especially like two people are in love and they're like oh yeah that's nothing more gross than that yeah like i love you poopy kin or whatever (laughs) stupid shit they say to each other they're you know they're 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 cute little jokes and like aren't they so cute together like that's gross from the outside when you're living it Mm -hmm. it's priceless and that was the moment when i broke and ah. completely just dissolved in sobs and actually had to, like, stop the movie and compose myself. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> because I was like, yeah, that's what it's like. You know, you meet like a really, you meet like another nerd and maybe they're a little different kind of nerd than you are, but they're so fascinating and so smart. And you have your little in-jokes and, you know, your little moments and sometimes you move on. But then those those moments that make you smile, they're like crushing almost. Yeah, they're, they're so still potent. there with that same immediacy, no matter, you know, the, the memory doesn't fade. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe people didn't buy the romance at the heart of this movie, but it wrecked me because this is this movie is about when nerds are in relationships. <laughs> okay. Like, because uh, Natalie Wood's character, uh, who's called Karen, which is very funny in 2023. Mm. <laughs> White women, am I right? Um, you know, she's, uh, she's obviously, like, a very brilliant designer because she's working on the headset and kind mm -hmm. of making it more streamlined and stuff like that. And then at the end, apparently, she's also, like, leet because she, like, helps her husband, like, hack into the Institute and fuck everything up. Well, yeah, they're uh, they're working together. Their relationship is rekindled on it getting revenge. Yeah, and they're you're like, damn, like this woman is like super smart, and her husband, uh, Michael Brace, Christopher Walken, he's like the kind of the embodiment of the the fascinatingly brilliant and difficult man, like mm -hmm. and shit, like I know someone who is that's her kryptonite and her catnip. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I had, like, I had, like, I had an emotional breakthrough, Tim. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go over the conversation pit and, you know, maybe smoke a joint and chill for a while. Yeah, but, yeah. um, I'll, awesome I'll see you dudes. for yoga at 6 a.m. <laughs> and you're like, no, you won't. No, yeah. I mean, I'll be going to bed. I mean, if you want some fondue later, like, we can, I can meet you for that. But... Hell yeah, bro. Yeah. Let's do some macrame. <laughs> I kind of, I, I kind of want to live in this movie. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the science sort of utopia. I want to ride virtual horse. Mm -hmm. I want to meet um, smart, smart, attractive people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want, um, I want to see like cool labs with like cool shit in it, and it's all in large format. Yeah, I want to have funding forever. Yeah, this is very much a gen movie. God, I want this movie to be better. <laughs> I know. It's because, yeah, it has a lot of cool notions in it. I mean, not just all this, the emotional breakthrough stuff that Jen has experienced, but, I mean, uh, you know, Louise Fletcher's character dies, and we get to see her basically experience the afterlife, which, if you're on board for that, holy shit, that's an experience. Yeah. and yeah, we have, like, you know, basically her... Um, because cause she records it, and then Christopher Walken is then later able to experience it, and we're getting, like, you know, her seeing her life flash before her eyes. It's crazy. Freaky. You know, yeah, we get the, you know, the moment of death and that out-of-body experience, you know? The, like, this is, for a movie that's, you know, kind of, eh, like, it's, you know, it's it's prefiguring, you know, Flatliners. It's a contemporary yeah. of, of Videodrome. It's prefiguring Enter the Void. Like, it, it touches on a lot of heady subjects that other movies have maybe explored in more depth, but it's it's there putting these things out there. Yeah, and not to be like, okay, boomer, but like um <laughs> like the <laughs> effects in this movie. Again, Douglas Trumbull. Someone who could work to the exacting standards of Stanley Kubrick. 
Yeah, hey. Like, even... That's a good feather in your cap. Yeah, and even on a computer screen, like, these optical effects are fucking incredible. And it should be really corny to see heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. Um, But heaven especially is like, damn, that is so sick. Like, look at those fucking angels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because it isn't like anything, but you're, you know, you kind of fill in the gaps and you're like, okay, we've, we've, we've gone here. That's you know we're we're through the looking glass like we're it is everything that was abstracted into you know a a VR environment for lawnmower man but it's saying like we're we're doing without the um uh the uh um context or like the 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 rationalization like all the things that happen in say lawnmower man. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're comparing the two tim's lone point of reference <laughs> yeah yeah like there's a conceit being like this is all fake this is all vr stuff like none of this is real it's just you know whatever you think it is but this is like well this is what you experience when you die to the point where you're like there's no conceit here this is just this unvarnished experience that i'm having yeah you know aided, aided through this computer so yeah like by the end of it you know walking has like this transcendental experience you know he experiences the feelings of another person he shares his you know innermost thoughts and feelings with a woman he loves he experiences death and comes back from it yeah that's a pretty busy afternoon (laughs) true (laughs) yeah he he consumes toxic tapes of people having psychotic breaks from an, an automated video facility yeah and like oh my son got a taste of that but he'll be fine (laughs) <laughs> yeah, look, we're, we're already at runtime. We aren't going to get into this. Yeah, like, that's where the script really, like, the wheels start coming off. Because mm-hmm. it's like, ah, I feel like there should be a little more emotional weight to that. Right. But... Yeah, because it is basically the equivalent of, you know, the kid found his dad's gun. Right. Which I think in the... um, And I hate to... I, like, I don't want to ding Bruce Joel Rubin because, like, I've enjoyed quite a bit of his work i mean you know jacob's ladder is sick you know mm-hmm. yeah i kind of i appreciate that interest in the metaphysical but mm-hmm. maybe this is where the um the human potential movement like optimism just crashes right into the cynical 80s because ultimately what drives the plot is like this one guy has to see this one tape that's like yeah. okay like cool it's it, it it makes the movie and kind of like oh yeah it's the vhs copy of things <laughs> you have just experienced things <laughs> just christopher walking like lying there dead natalie would screaming <laughs> at him to get up it's like you shouldn't have watched things <laughs> um seven days <laughs> you got to return this tape in seven days <laughs> um so yeah, it's it ends up being a damp squib, which is extremely disappointing. Cause mm-hmm. you think, because um, all the hay we've made out of the the premise, yeah. should be enough. But you know, the movie's sort of yeah, yeah, then brain stuff, and then he becomes a better person. You're like, all right, like yeah, and like yeah, they'll probably uh, yeah, they'll probably remarry. Like that's cool. Like I'm mm. happy for them. <laughs> yeah, but um, as it happened, um, this kind of and. This information is coming from a, a biography of Natalie Wood called Natalie Wood, A Life, which is written by a British author called Gavin Lambert. Um, 
who wrote the really pretty bad Natalie Wood vehicle, Inside Daisy Clover, which I thought we could cover for the show until I actually watched it. Okay. And I was like, I, I'm not even going to try to pitch this to Tim. There was like... <laughs> Fuck no. What, what am wow. I going to tell him? Like, oh, okay, Tim, like, Robert Redford looks really hot in this. Mmm. Well, you know what a, well, you know what a redhead I am. <laughs> Man, let's watch The Sting. I think people have already agreed that The Sting is a good movie. Like, what would we be adding? Let's watch Temple of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> let's we'll kidnap s- a white dude. <laughs> We'll certainly join the discourse if we review Temple of Doom. True, but um, uh, where uh, where did the the mining cart go off the rail? Um, okay, yeah. um, so I read um this biography of Natalie Wood, which I trust more than some uh treatments of her life because Gavin Lambert was a good friend of hers for for many years. Um. And I know, a lot, I don't want to say a lot of people, but, you know, people with true crime brain, they really want it to be the case that uh. Robert Wagner killed Natalie Wood on that yacht, which I don't buy it. Right. Um, it was like she was, she like drank too much and like fell overboard when everyone was asleep and like just wasn't able to get back on the, on the boat. Yeah. There's something kind of like sad, but mundane. Yeah. And there's, um. There's a real sadness to the arc of Natalie Wood's life in general because she started as a child actor with a really horrible, manipulative stage mother. There's mm-hmm. a famous story uh, going around about her, which has all but been confirmed elsewhere, that she was very brutally raped as a teenager. Hmm. Um, can you? I don't uh, have a joke for that. Can you slander the dead? I don't know. I don't think you can. I, what are they going to do? Right. Uh, it's supposed to have been. Uh, it the the story is that she was uh, brutalized by Kirk Douglas, oh, which okay. has been um, sort of floating around for years. I I don't want to say people have confirmed it, but there this has come from like a few sources. Um. But yeah, she uh, Natalie Wood was someone who was very significantly traumatized. Um, she was married to Robert Wagner twice. And from what I've read about them, this really does appear to have been two people who were, like, they were each other's great love. But these were actors, and these were very vain, difficult people with substance abuse problems like they both drank yeah, quite actors. a bit yeah <laughs> right um and usually people will self-medicate because they're kind of trying to they're trying to tamp down something which is which they can't deal with and natalie wood did in fact uh start drinking more right around the making of brainstorm um in spite of the fact that you know this being hollywood and the 80s and the era of tab um she would go on a pretty restrictive diet before each film and she would cut out alcohol entirely because, you know, she was always the pro. Mm-hmm. So I have to lose weight. So 
Yeah, right. No booze. RJ can drink, but I'm not going to drink. But apparently she was still drinking during Brainstorm, and I wonder if it maybe had something to do with this flirtation with Christopher Walken. Nobody can say if they actually fucked or not. They're def- people have definitely said that there was a mutual flirtation. Mm-hmm. Um, such that uh, RJ, Robert Wagner, her husband, um, whom she was as a rule, pretty happy with. But again, like, you know, actors, they're insecure. He right. was really getting jealous of Walken. And who knows why <laughs> he was their guest on the yacht. I don't know. Maybe they thought they could work through it. Be like, hey, you know, it's the, it's the 80s. Everybody's fucking everybody uh, I else. I mean, yeah, threesome in international waters. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Maybe they thought it could be friendly. Mm-hmm. Um like but there was like, yeah look when you meet him you'll see that he's no threat to you <laughs> and i'm sure that they that they fought with each other i don't believe like personally from what i've read about natalie wood and robert wagner's relationship i don't believe that he was not a violent guy like um this wasn't like this wasn't angelina jolie and brad pitt on their private jet Mm. look that one up because that's ugly um is there like a vr experience i can watch (laughs) that it's called mr and mrs smith (laughs) um i don't believe that it would be in robert wagner's character from what i've read as a total outsider Mm -hmm. many many degrees removed i don't think he was smacking her around i think these are two volatile temperamental people who drank a lot and yelled at each other and then would make up and I believe the coroner, and interestingly, this was uh, Thomas Noguchi, the coroner for L.A., who we mentioned in our Faces of Death episode. He goes into this in detail in his memoir. Um, he talks about the Natalie Wood death investigation. And there, has been some ding- there have been some dings to his credibility, but I don't think anybody has really poked holes in his, um, his account of what probably happened to Natalie Wood on that night. Um. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people have, people have made hay out of the fact that like, oh, she was always afraid of dark water. Like she, she was, you know, a, a, a fortune teller told her mother that, you know, to be aware of dark water. And she had a traumatic experience uh, filming a movie as a child where um, she was, a piece of the set broke away and um, she fractured her wrist and came pretty close to drowning. But she still did... Again, the professional, she still did scenes that dealt with the water. There was mm-hmm. a scene that was cut from Brainstorm where she was actually in a rowboat with Christopher Walken. Yeah. Um, she filmed it. They cut it because they figured it would probably be in poor taste to release after her death. But, you know, she, yeah, yeah. she gritted her teeth and did it. And she and her husband spent a lot of time on their yacht, like, she was okay with being on a boat. It's, you know, but the, you know, she just didn't want to be, and you know, that's understandable. Like mm-hmm. I've been on a boat. I don't really want to just jump into the fucking ocean. Yeah. That would be a bad idea. Right. It really looks like it was just an accident that happened when she was like pretty impaired. She's probably self-medicating because there was turmoil in her personal and professional life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wasn't able to like assuage the, uh, mm-hmm situation surrounding her husband and her co-star yeah sounds like like well this 
this uh, party went south real quick. Yeah, and maybe if... um, And she had been dependent on uh, sleeping pills for quite a long time. Uh, maybe if her particular pill had been stronger that night and she just fallen asleep... She might, have, say? she might have come back to Catalina with Wagner and Walken. Yeah. But... would be like, let's never speak of this trip again. <laughs> and they would have... Catalina Island. Yeah, you almost died there. Yeah. <laughs> it's my own little Natalie Wood adventure. Remind me not to go there. Yeah, it's, it's a cursed place. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, have you seen the movie Catalina Caper? Very oh, cursed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if that isn't... Uh, reason enough for you. Yeah, rest in peace, Tommy Kirk. But yeah, so um, some people really want the murder narrative. I find it a little distasteful, especially because, um, uh, you know, her kids are still on good terms with their father and stepfather. Like, mm -hmm. there doesn't... If you go into Natalie Wood's inner circle, there don't seem to be people with doubts. Like, a lot of people have pointed to the account of the captain of the boat um and also stuff that her sister lana has said mm -hmm. uh keep in mind that natalie wood was estranged from her sister for a very long time because lana had a lot of money problems she was constantly asking for loans and natalie kind of fun had natalie kind of had enough after yeah. a while and she's like stop asking so who are the kind of people who might want to sell their stories to a tabloid after someone has died? Maybe yeah. mm. people in the outer circle who have, who really need the money. Um, and the captain of the boat has also like tried to sell increasing, increasingly wild stories about what supposedly happened that weekend. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, People will read all kinds of things into a situation to make it more exciting. We should try that. <laughs> so that's what I think about the death of Natalie Wood. Tim, do you have anything to add? I uh, appreciate Walken's character in this because he consumes, he puts his health at risk, his mental health, by consuming these toxic tapes in search of inexplicable <laughs> experiences. So... I think in a way, you know, he's kind of like us. Yeah, like looking for, it's like, what is the most high dopamine experience? Like, give right. me that. Like, I don't want, I don't want, like, roller coaster, big fucking deal. I can go to Magic Mountain anytime. Right, yeah. I can go to California Adventure. Like, give me that. Uh, do you think that they had, like, all kinds of different mental illnesses lined up on that shelf? Like, hey, like, what's it like to have borderline personality disorder? <laughs> Listen to our next episode. <laughs> a lot of movies came after this this does kind of have a little bit of the um uh the sort of this was your life uh film that you get to watch when you uh, commit suicide in soylent green yeah yeah that kind of nice uh nature video that plays you out do they have a tape of uh crystal reeve going over that jump at the uh <laughs> the horse show god damn <laughs> I could uh, make tasteless jokes about this concept all fucking night. Yeah, do they have uh, French Air Show 93 or... <laughs> Baby loves head rub. <laughs> oh, God, can you imagine? The... All those videos would just be cat videos now. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, they use Brainstorm to just show you here's a cat. This All one right. is of you squeezing a kitty's little toe beans. And this one <laughs> is of you rubbing your face on his tummy. Oh, God. But in this one, the cat got real mad when you rubbed your face just a little too long. Uh-huh. Ah, we're such a childish society. <laughs> well, I mean, and... The movie, the movie's instincts are right. You know, people are immediately just going to go to the, to the id. Yeah. When it comes to like pleasurable like, experiences. Can I, yeah. Can I watch porn on this? Yeah. It's like you will feel every hair of that mm. 1983 beaver on your dick. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd and like... thus Tim dies like Louise Fletcher. <laughs> yeah. It is weird that we kind of go into all these compartmented uh, memories that she has. When she's like, you know, experiencing her uh, last moments. I guess this, um, I guess uh, this movie failed where Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind kind of got it right. And that's too bad because that is a trite movie. You think so? I do. I don't really fuck with Charlie Kaufman. I, yeah, I, I thought it was too, um, uh, yeah, just a <clears throat> simplistic, just a, like, you know, I'm yeah. going to give up. Yeah, it's, it was too uh, pat. Yeah, yeah, it has a, sort of a, a a facile sort of humanism to it, and just like eh, or whatever. I think I just don't vibe with Charlie Kaufman, Fair which enough. probably means I'm stupid. But hey, I already knew that. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you that all the time. Um, <laughs> what I would say though is that you know this prefigured a lot of other things. The thing that this also prefigured, uh, oh. Uh, uh, there's an offhanded uh, remark. Christopher Walken's like, oh, you can uh, pump it right through the phone. It's like, oh, I mean, you just you can get online. You can have, you know, uh, <laughs> he, he's, he, he was selling uh, the metaverse. Uh, yeah, and then they, they had a word for it. Yeah, and then they finally kill that creepy lab assistant. Yeah, well, I mean, that was good. It was bound to happen. You're like, yeah, whatever. He's a creep anyway. Yeah, that, that guy was going to just do weirder and weirder shit with yeah. that equipment until he died so they probably did him a solid yeah this is also um uh, he died among friends yeah good for him he died at work Ooh. that would suck yeah he uh one of the other things uh series to kind of meditate on you know the uh, sort of transcendental nature of technology uh is uh the netflix series black mirror <laughs> so yeah well like, if you could go inside Christopher Walken's brain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, disappointment to many of our listeners. I am not a fan of Black Mirror whatsoever. I think that its basic premise like doesn't um, doesn't hold water because it yeah. is all about oh technology. Like it's so it's so dark and and twisted, and it basically makes people do things that they're going to do anyway. So I'm like, well, you're you, you lost me there. Like it it doesn't it doesn't work. If, if it is like the technologies that the echo of the things that you know were already there yeah it doesn't work as a as an indictment of you know this brave new world we're living in it's just i think that like mm-hmm. I don't know, it, just, it, it doesn't it doesn't work for me I, me and I, me and netflix yeah. were done a long time ago so yeah well i mean i had watched like you know i'd gone through the series back at the time and so i just watched it i'm like yeah i get what you're saying like it's wrong but i get what you're saying <laughs> so well, uh, people love that shit, so I, the the one show that Netflix just keeps renewing. Yeah, that computer, and Stranger computers, Things, man. Well, well, yeah, it's because they keep remaking Stranger Things. It's, yeah, it's always true. 1983 there. 
Hey, they got a fancy research facility in Stranger Things. Oh yeah, and it's the eighties stuff. Yeah, is the um I you know and this is where I confess I've never watched Stranger Mm -hmm. Things. Is the decor in Stranger Things as um, wonderfully ugly as it is in this movie? It is some kind of ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Or like um uh I watched part of Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Uh huh. Like, uh, there's the, at the beginning, like, Hi. she, she <laughs> it, was on, it was on HBO. I was like, whatever. All right, sure. And then I was just like, yeah, I've seen enough of this. But, right. um, so, uh, the worst actress in the world fights some bad guys in a mall. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, almost. Like, that is <laughs> almost a perfect 80s mall. But yeah. it just doesn't have that, like, the architecture just doesn't have the plotting quality of like 80s mall architecture it's just not well, the same it's well, like how the- this it's like how the arc like the architecture in this is like or the interiors they're very tasteful mm-hmm. but they kind of make you go Ugh. <laughs> well that was the thing too that like i'd only realized after the fact a lot of the malls in my old neighborhood when i grew up in the 80s mm-hmm. the architecture for those malls were brutalist <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah like of all places of, of all styles they're like hey this place it's fun to hang out and buy stuff let's make it look like a, a nuclear bunker yeah and you can still and I know because I know you do this all the time if mm-hmm. you drive down um, to Panga Canyon Boulevard yeah to the uh, to the less moribund mall in Canoga <laughs> Park you drive past one mall which is absolutely brutalist yeah, it's just all poured concrete and, like, you know, sharp angles. Yeah, and you're like, oh, like, I bet Chopping Mall is happening in, happening in there right now. <laughs> what a fun place to hang out. <laughs> Want to go to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse? <laughs> you're, you, the door, doors are locked from the outside. Ah, we're stuck in this AMC forever. <laughs> we're stuck quoting Patton Oswalt routines from 15 years ago. Yeah, well, that's par for the course with us. Yeah, um, I, oh, so shameful. Is oh, um, there's a personal connection of a couple of degrees with me in this movie that I haven't mm-hmm. mentioned. So, um, when um, Grass Valley Greg, aka Michael Brace, Christopher Walken, is riding his cool ass recumbent bike home, mm-hmm. he's going through the industrial park where he works, and a sign goes by, and that sign says Evans Wetmore. Okay. And I popped because I I worked with Evans Wetmore. And you're like, Jen, what do you mean? Well, uh, in a younger, stupider time, I worked for a globe-spanning media corporation. Yeah, it's sort of um, evil incarnate. Yes. Uh, It's really easy to guess what it is. But Mm -hmm. um, I did not work in the same department as this man. But he... Helped me out of an audiovisual jam quite a few times. He designed the screening room that I ran films in. Uh, incredibly bright guy. So bright that uh, he worked with Douglas Trumbull on Blade Runner. And uh, oh, yeah. he also was a consulting engineer on Brainstorm. Which is why there, there are a couple little Easter egg tributes to him. There's the, the name of, the, of one of the companies that funds all this fancy research, Evans Wentmore. And um, it's also called out in a line of dialogue. Uh, and that is why I was watching this. And I was like, I, I was pointing like Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
<laughs> and um, I believe that the real life Evans Wentmore no longer works for that um, that globe encompassing uh, entertainment mm-hmm. octopus. But um, he has gone on to uh, consulting work. He's still around. He's on LinkedIn. I, I kind of want to send him a message and be like, "We just tell me everything about working on Brainstorm." <laughs> yeah, why are why are us two chuckle fucks talking about this? We could have someone who actually knew about it. Yeah, like he could listen to this and tell us like how wrong we are about everything. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, I don't like is, is this a movie review or therapy? What is this crap? Yeah, so um, if uh, if anyone out there in the industry knows Evans Wetmore, tell him to get in touch. Info at haveyouseen.us. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, hey, like, I want to see how he's doing. He's fine. I'm yeah, sure I he's think he's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I do like uh, that it also did, um, yeah, after you know, Christopher Walken transcends and the movie ends, um, <laughs> the credits are in Super Panavision. Yeah. So it's like we, the audience, you know, kind of through the looking glass as well. It's something that we've you know, talked about in... Um, uh, what like the the evil within um yeah. angel heart yeah it's a good example of that so yeah like the movie is it's um you know it is following through one you know its promise being like yeah you're gonna understand what it means to feel you know emotionally changed by uh, having this kind of experience that poor woman like now she's like she's like on tape like fucking that guy for forever well i mean once the lab was destroyed i guess not yeah, that's true. Oh, you know, I didn't mention that that is the wackiest, like, factory gone wrong sequence sequence yeah, since is... Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Right, yeah. It, like, it starts at, like, Gremlins level of goofiness, yeah. and then it, then it delves into, like, Strange Brew level of just, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, why, is there, why, why are there soap flakes in their lab? This is, like, a military operation. <laughs> The the robots demanded them. It was no, he, part of their contract. You know, like there's there's a part where like this security guard just gets taken out by like a a like a pallet full of barrels with like flakes in it. It's like, oh no, the CIA grade cocaine. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a bad day at the Lego factory. Is what this is. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like so many illegal builds. <laughs> what a sexy Brillo pad.